Almost Awakened podcast, a no-nonsense approach to spirituality. Here we dive deep into the wisdom traditions while acknowledging insightful breakthroughs in science, psychology, and human development. Our goal is to explore the good life and the very best of spirituality, no-nonsense required. Check us out at almostawaken.org where you can check out past episodes, make a donation, email us a question or comment, or find out more about the resources we shared. And now, today's podcast episode. So here we are, another episode of the Almost Awakened podcast. I'm your host, Bill Real. Grateful for the chance to be with you today. I want to point you to a YouTube video. You're going to want to watch the video. We're going to play the video today, but we're going to intervene all throughout the video to the point where it's going to disrupt to some degree what I would want you to take away from uh, the actual video as it plays, because it almost is a meditation unto itself. Whereas we're going to essentially spend time talking about the various facets in that video. It's a short little, uh, a little uh, 10 minute piece of audio, but it comes with video footage. There's an artist who draws out the conversation as it's going along and that adds a ton to the things being talked about so again stop here for a moment go to youtube and watch a video called the illusion of money time and ego by alan watts and alan watts is a person you're you're gonna want to know tons of videos on youtube from him um he is a uh, person who has gotten a ton out of meditation and working on being aware that he's aware. And today, uh, we're going to go through one of his talks. And again, I would watch the video first so you see the artistry. And again, that's called The Illusion of Money, Time, and Ego by Alan Watts. Go watch that now. Otherwise, here we are. We're going to pick back up. And we're going to play the audio and dissect pieces of it and just talk about what he's pointing us to, which which if, if I could write down like a list of the 10 most important things that you need to experience and encounter in the process of awakening, it this video is hitting on several of them. And so I hope that... Uh, that you'll enjoy this conversation today and, uh, and get a lot out of it. And uh, without waiting any longer, uh, here, is, here is Alan Watts. Well, I have a sort of suggestion, and that is this, that before we decide either to save the planet or to destroy it, we pause for a moment of silence. I don't mean that kind of grim silence which one observes when somebody says uh, such and such a famous person has just died and we'll observe a moment of silence in his honor and everybody frowns and thinks very serious thoughts. That's not silence at all. I mean real silence in which we stop thinking. and experience reality as reality is this is i'm going to stop here there's this is such a deep important truth 
that Alan Watts here is is explaining. This is a a deep truth that we all have to understand if we're going to with deep intention and sincerity and with honest motivation to get there entering the awakening process this is one of the deep truths we have to arrive at which is any time that we have thoughts running through our head any time we are talking and moving our lips and mouth any time we are listening to what someone else says we are stuck in the labels and narratives of myth that to experience reality as it really is requires us to sit with things as they really are rather than be in our heads telling stories about them but we have to go a facet further because all of us have mind chatter all of us have stories running through our head and until you get really good at meditation and quieting down the mind chatter in your head until you can get to a place where you can really sit in silence with an idea or with nothing with just simply listening to yourself your breathing your your sensations and tinges in your body the the way in which your body shifts and moves it shakes the vibration that you have your breath going in and out the pressure on your feet from being against the floor the moment you can do those things with serious intent you begin to quiet down the mind chatter in your head and you can begin for the very first time to actually sit with some degree of silence and alan watts here is pointing people to like hey before before we do some some crazy decisions on what we do with this planet and and all the animals and species that we're causing damage to and and the real choice that we as a collective people need to make about whether we want to protect the resources that we have including this beautiful rock flying through space or whether we just want to keep moving along with progress and eventually just kill ourselves off by doing such damage to the planet we need to sit in real silence real silence and and if you watch the video and you're not there yet you won't understand it but real silence is only achieved after lots of uh, meditation and awareness practice has taken place. Because after all, if I talk all the time, I can't hear what anyone else has to say. And if I think all the time, and by that I mean specifically talking to yourself subvocally inside your skull, if I think all the time, I have nothing to think about except thoughts. And so I'm never in touch with the real world. Now, what is the real world? Some people have the theory that the real world is material or physical. I say it's made of kind of a stuff. 
Other people have the theory that the real world is spiritual or mental. But I want you to point out that both those theories of the world are concepts. They are constructions of words. And the real world is not an idea. It is not words. Reality is... Again, notice just for a moment where that noise took you as it was happening. That noise was a meditation. And Alan's hitting that gong or chime, ringing that bell, was a call to action for you to sit with the world as it really is, as he just pointed out before that noise played, he said that every time we try to describe reality, we are only using concepts, labels, myth, stereotypes, stories, and, and that they don't, they don't, they don't do it justice. That every time we use language, which is an invention, and all the words we've come up with, every word falls short of describing the actual thing we're trying to describe. And so anytime you try to say like, hey, this experience I had in the world, it was this. First off, you are now describing a past event. Hence, you are having to use memory. And memory is never perfect. Your memory is always flawed. So you can't describe anything in the past using your memory and actually describe it perfectly. Second is that language always falls short. So anytime you describe something, you are essentially assigning concepts to it and words to it. And all of those also fall short. And so here he is talking and then suddenly kind of to surprise you, he hits this chime and lets it do the teaching because the words fall short in trying to help us to become aware. You will find therefore that if you get with reality, all sorts of illusions disappear. And I will mention several illusions that have not this kind of existence. Let's begin with some very down-to-earth ones, like money. Money is a very useful method of accounting. It is a measure of wealth in the same way as inches are measures of length and grams measures of weight. 
you cannot eat money. You could have a fantastic quantity of dollar bills and uh, stock certificates on a desert island, and they would be useless to you. What you would need would be food and uh, animals and companions. Money simply represents wealth in rather the same way that the menu represents the dinner. Only we are psychologically perverted in such a way that we would, some of us would rather have money than real wealth. But you know, you cannot drive in five cars at once, even though they be Cadillacs. You cannot live simultaneously in six houses or eat 12 roasts of beef at one meal. There is a limit to what one can consume. So that's one of the sort of confusions I'm talking about. We, we've talked on the podcast before that money is a myth. Alan here is going a step further. He's certainly addressing that. He's certainly speaking to the idea that uh, money is just shavings of a tree with ink added to it. And we collectively have assigned a value. And yet the, this, this item, this physical thing on its own really is worthless. It's nothing. In fact, it, it only would have worth if you were cold and you had enough of it to burn to make a fire. Or if you could weave it into something to uh, cover your body with to keep you warm on a cold night. Like it really is worthless and it's only the collective myth that assigns value. But he goes a step further and, and in, in one place he talks about how you can't drive five cars at once. And if you recognize like people who are rich, who have 10 houses and 10 cars, the reality is they can only experience in any given present moment the driving of one of those or the living in one of those houses. And that even the idea that I own 10 homes, I own five cars is a myth. Like, what is ownership? Again, we've created arbitrary constructs that allow you to have a title to a vehicle and a, and a title to a home. And yet the bank maybe owns it and you're making a payment to the bank, but you claim it's your house. All of these constructs get in the way of you experiencing the world as it really is in this very moment another is that we confuse ourselves as living organisms with our idea of ourselves that is to say with a conception of myself which is called the personality or ego We, that is what we have been told we are. And it's an extremely crude and limited conception of oneself. Of the actual 
unique living organism. You are, you are a thing. We have, and in our development of language, we've assigned constructs and labels to who we are. You are a human. You are a boy. You are an adult. You are a Caucasian. You are a hard worker. You are a honest person. We assign all these labels and we inside of ourselves have these competing almost personalities in that on one hand you have your ego and your ego needs to protect you and your ego needs a story and your ego needs you to be the center of the universe and your ego needs you to tell certain stories about yourself to yourself and to others. And there's also another piece of you that isn't your ego. And what the great spiritual teachers, and I use spiritual in a very secular way. I don't, I don't mean religious in any way. What the great spiritual teachers in this space are trying to get you to understand and what they have learned is that the ego isn't a eternal piece of you. Your ego while it feels on the front half of life to be the main piece of you, the, the reality is that your ego is an unnecessary piece of you. And what the great spiritual teachers have learned is that by becoming aware that you're aware, they have little by little quieted their ego. Their ego has diminished little by little by little by little to the point where on the other side of life, it is quieted significantly. And if you listen to people such as Eckhart Tolle, um, for instance, in his book, The Power of Now, he is deeply pointing to the idea that you can disconnect yourself from your ego entirely. And, and here I am, I am almost awakened. And, and I, we love the title, by the way. We love the name of the podcast being that because the idea is that most of us are just starting to dip our toes in these kinds of things. And we're certainly nowhere near the development into awakening that people like Eckhart Tolle are. But we can get there, but we need resources, we need tools, we need things to think about so that we can quiet our thinking. And what these teachers would also say is you need a practice of trying to be aware and trying to be silent in spite of your mind chatter, which continues to go on even as you focus on silence. And so here I am recognizing that I have, as a 41-year-old, made significant progress in getting my ego to quiet down and getting my mind chatter to quiet down and becoming more aware of my awareness. And yet, as I listen to people like Alan Watts, I realize just how much further I have to go. 
where are you at in your process? Where are you at in becoming aware that you're aware? And we get unhappy because we are thinking of ourselves in this way because we think, well, gee, I'm going to die. I once talked to a woman who came to me and said she was afraid of death. And uh, we went into it in a long conversation. I said, what are you really afraid of? And she thought it over and thought it over and he said, do you know, what I'm going to be afraid of is what other people are going to say. They're going to say, poor old Gert, she couldn't last it through. <laughs> because you see, <laughs> who you think you are is entirely dependent on who people have told you you are. You're not that. Death is an interesting thing, whether one is religious or uh, a non-believer in a divine being, for instance. Regardless, it seems as though all of us have some trepidation about death. He uses the example here that this lady's worried about what people are going to say about her after she's dead. And I think all of us uh, encounter thoughts about death differently. I'm not like Gert. I'm not worried about what people are going to say when I die. Personally, I'm, I'm scared. I'm scared of those last three minutes. I'm scared of whatever trepidation and anxiety I feel in those moments where I go, oh my gosh, I'm dying. Oh my gosh, this is it. I'm worried about the pain in those last three minutes, the fear in those last three minutes. I'm worried about death itself in terms of not existing. I like me. I like what I bring to the table. I like what I offer to the world. I like the joy and satisfaction I get being me living my life. I like my life. And yet, again, wrestling with death forces us to recognize that all of this are, again, concepts. All of this are stories that we tell as we're lost in the thoughts of our mind. But to recognize that death scares us. And as Gert here points out, we are so wrapped up in the stories that others tell about us that we sometimes decide that we are what others say we are. And such is also a myth and a construct, too. Then another thing that bothers, bothers us is time. Most people nowadays say, I have no time. Of course you don't. Because you are not aware of the present. You know, the present is represented on your watch by a hairline that is as thin as possible as is consistent with visibility. And so everybody thinks the present is instead of 
now. The present is the only real time. There is no past and there isn't a future. And there never will be. Oh, this is this is manna. This these are this is a great truth. These are great truths, but this is a great truth. Once you recognize that all you ever have is this present moment. All you have is reality as it is right here, right now. And here's a present moment. And guess what? Here's a present moment. And guess what? Here's a present moment. You see, we're always, when we're lost in ego, we're always treating the present as if it's already the past because we're so consumed with the future. And we let the past, which is already distorted by the stories and labels we tell and by the fact that our memory never picks it up correctly anyway, the past really isn't real. Like if I say, tell me what happened, you're going to, if I have you talk long enough, you're going to misidentify it. All you have is this moment, this moment right here. It's it. It's all you've got. Because in the future, when you actually are in another moment, that will also be the present. Time is a construct. It's not that time doesn't exist. It's not like things are always not moving along and things are getting older and things are dying and new things are born. And it's not that that's not happening. That's real. But the way in which we've learned to understand it, interpret it, describe it, are all with labels, constructs, and myths. So to to be on this side of things, you have to start enjoying the present as the most important thing you have. The most important thing you have is this moment. Because the next time you're in something important, it will also be this moment. So the sooner you can learn, the sooner you can learn to enjoy this present moment rather than be lost in your mind chatter about what the past means for you today and what the future holds the more you will actually live and live in reality of the here and the now we think ordinarily of the present as an infinitesimal point at which the future changes into the past. And we also do a terrible thing. We imagine ourselves to be results of the past. And we're always passing the buck over our shoulders, like uh, when God approached Adam in the Garden of Eden and said, Hast thou eaten of the fruit of the tree whereof I told thee thou shouldst not eat? And Adam said, This woman thou gavest me, she tempted me and I did eat. And God looked at Eve and said, Hast thou eaten of the fruit of the tree whereof I told thee thou shouldst not eat? And she said, The serpent beguiled me and I did eat. And God, out of the corner of his eye, looked at the serpent. The serpent said nothing. So you see, we're always passing the buck. 
and don't realize that the past is caused by the present as the wake of a ship flows back from the prow. Now the wake doesn't drive the ship any more than the tail wags the dog. Such another big truth here, which is that we're always trying, our ego is always trying to take credit for the good that happens and pass blame for anything that goes wrong. And we get lost in our mind chatter about like, I am going to act in this moment a certain way. And I'm sorry if it's not the way everyone wants me to act. I'm sorry if it's not the right way to behave, but I'm a product of my past and I'm working hard in this moment to create a certain future. And that's just bullshit and excuses because the moment we are aware that we're aware and we are living present in this moment, we can choose to show up. You and this is a hard point to try to understand. You are a product of your past so long as you live in it. You are a product of your past. You will continue to use the mechanisms and the behaviors that were passed down to you and the trauma that was imposed on you so long as you are not aware that you're aware, so long as you sit inside your ego with all of your mind chatter and go through all the stories in your head every day, thinking about your to-do list and thinking about the people who are good to you and the people who are bad to you, and you get lost in your mind chatter inside your head, and all you have the ability to do because of that is to show up in the same way you've always shown up and to continue doing the things that you've always done. But the moment you become aware that you're aware, the moment you begin to live present in any given present moment, like right here I am, fully aware that I'm talking on a microphone, fully aware of the conversation that I'm having with you, and not lost in my head about what I'm going to say, then the realization comes in that I can now, with real intent... I can choose how to show up in this moment. So when you're in a conversation, I'll put it in real life, you, you do something, you do things when you talk to your spouse, when you talk to your friends or your coworkers, you have these idiosyncrasies, you have these habits, you have these ways in which you show up as a human being. And some of those things are unhealthy. So sometimes my kids have a problem and it is causing me a burden or it's causing me some type of turmoil. So what I choose to do in those moments, because it's the way I've always done things, is to begin to put some type of emotional distance between my children and me. And I have a conversation with them based on, I need to resolve myself. I have turmoil inside. I'm feeling poked. I'm feeling agitated. I need to react. And you aren't even aware that you're doing all that inside as it's happening. So you have no choice but to show up to your kids the way you've always shown up. But the moment that you're aware that right here is a present moment and you are present with it, you get to go, oh, this is what I normally do, but I get to choose right here, right now, to show up different. 
And so what he's pointing out with the Adam and Eve story is, you know, Adam blames Eve and Eve blames the serpent, but damn it, it's just a snake and he's got nothing to say. And the reality is that Adam, had he been present, he could have with intention chose how to respond to the world around him rather than choose, rather than not have a choice and react to the sensations that he was feeling and the stories that he had told himself and that others had told him that he held on to that now caused him to react with his mechanisms and his shadow. And Eve follows up doing the same damn thing. And the reality is that when you're present, you can with intention not react but intentionally choose how to respond. But we've all got excuses. When my mother had a fit while she was carrying me in the womb. Uh, they didn't bring me upright. And then they go to the mother and say, how is it that you could have been so irresponsible with your children? And she says, well, it was my parents didn't bring me upright either. <laughs> and so everybody passes the buck. But the truth of the matter is, it all begins here. This is where the creation begins. And you're doing it and won't admit it. Because, of course, you're all God in disguise. Jesus found that out and they crucified him for saying so. So, you, this is a very odd thing for Westerners to understand and particularly for Americans. Because we are so fixated on the future. When we say we want to put something down, we say it has no future. Well, do you? Much better to have a present. Because if you don't, it's useless to make plans. Because when they work out, you won't be there to enjoy them. You'll be thinking of something else. So we don't le we realize that we are living out of now and throwing the past behind us. We are constantly thinking about the past. Wondering if we could have done something differently. Worried about what something means or what it's going to change into or what it what it leads to for our life and and then we're always planning for the future and alan says one of the most beautiful things it all begins here right here in this moment this is where creation begins We, we constantly are blaming who we are on what someone else did to us, how our parents were, how our grandparents were to them, how our great-grandparents were to them. And all of that's true, but it all begins here, this moment right here, the present is where creation begins. And in any future moment that you are creating 
that you're planning for and looking forward to and think only when I get there will I feel satisfied. You're lost in the future and you won't even enjoy that present moment. There's a beautiful uh, part. Um, If you're into sports, if you're not, phenomenal series anyway. Um, There's a 10-part series called The Last Dance, which is about Michael Jordan and his entire career with the Bulls, and specifically him and his teammates in their winning uh, six championships in seven or eight years, and how they essentially make themselves the greatest dynasty to ever be in professional sports. And there's a part where Jordan just wins that uh, seventh championship, I'm sorry, the sixth championship in the seven or eight years. And when it's over, they're all back in the locker room and um, the media is asking him if he's going to retire or they're, and they're asking him if he's going to come back and play another year. And Jordan says like, I just want to be here in this moment. That moment will take care of itself. We'll figure that out when we're in that moment. In this moment, I want to be right here. And it's one of the secrets that comes out during this entire 10 part series is that what made Michael Jordan great wasn't only his physical ability or his work ethic, but it was his ability to be present in the moment and to, because of that being present, take full advantage of his awareness in the game as he was playing. It allowed him to do things on the court that others couldn't do because they were worried about the last shot that he took that they couldn't stop. Or they're worried about how they're going to score the next three points after this one so that they could tie the game. And what Jordan was saying is, I just want to be here. Let me enjoy this win right now, right here, and not worry about what could or can't be in the future. To each of you who are listening today, you can choose to be more present in your life Because all you ever have is the present moment. It all begins here. This is where creation begins. See you next time. This has been another Almost Awakened episode. Check us out at almostawakened.org where you can check out past episodes, make a donation to keep this podcast running, email us a question or comment, or find out more about the resources shared in today's episode. For coaching opportunities or extra support, visit nonsense spirituality.com to meet with certified spiritual director Brittany Hartman.